Um, I, I, when I heard that story, I wanted Brian to tell it because in going through Hebrews in this section of chapter 11, it is story after story about men and women who make life-changing decisions. And Brian, uh, when, you, when you first told me the, tor- the story, you said because of all the data you had, when you walked into Popeye's, you were ready to use lethal force. You'd already made, you made a decision. If it would have been slightly different in any aspect, the, uh, it would have been right there in the middle of Popeye's uh, lobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember you told me that when, uh, when you were getting the, the, the radio talk on this that he had sat down on the curb by a gas station? Yes. Okay, what did you tell me? When you see that, what do you think? He's, he's looking for prey. He's looking for somebody. Going to rob somebody. You know, somebody comes up just to get their gas, they got their back doing the pump thing or doing their credit card, and he's right on them just like that. You know, so all the stuff was adding up that this was not a good situation, right? And you'd made some decisions. You were ready to do the unthinkable. Yep, yep. Okay, so what if Brian, can we, can we talk about some sensitive things today? What if Brian had a, had a heart and a mind so bent toward violence? You know, Blue Rage? You've heard of Blue Rage, right? What if that were true? What about, what about the cops that want to squeeze the trigger? They want that. And looking for the opportunity, like it's going to somehow gratify them in some deep core way to finally take out someone's life, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a crusader. Look what could have happened. Okay. Decisions we make deep inside our hearts, deep inside our minds, right? Emotional framework that we have can literally affect the outcome of another person's life forever. And, and as well ourselves. Absolutely. Little tiny decisions that happen in seconds. I bet the timeline on that, Brian, especially when you walked into Popeye's, it was down to seconds. It may have felt like minutes, but when you walked in, it's down to seconds, wasn't it? Yeah. There was a long wait getting up to that moment, but when it was on you, bang. It was fractions of seconds. Yeah. Fractions of seconds. Yeah. Yeah. His decision not to, or his decision to do what I asked him to do. Comply. Comply was within half seconds to seconds. Yeah. 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 Okay. How can we make a jump from that kind of a story into what's going on in our lives right now? Um, what if you guys were faced with a life-changing decision? By the way, we've got a police chaplain here. I want to shout out to this guy. I met him uh, a few weeks ago. Really glad you're here. Um, what if you were faced with a critical decision that could have a radical impact on your marriage, a radical impact on a friend, uh, on, uh, on a church, your marriage, your children, are you ready to do the right thing? Are you ready to make the right decision under duress? In situations of acute and profound stress, can you think clearly? I don't know that Brian's got ice water flowing in your veins. You know, you've been doing this how many years? <coughs> 20, who's counting? 23 years. Um, that's not your first rodeo. And he may have been as cool as a cat. I don't know. But I know that when you get emotionally upset, you lose your ability to think rationally. 
and you start feeling things that are, that are illogical, you start saying things that are illogical, you start behaving in illogical ways when you get out of control emotionally. You have to, you have to, have to keep a cool head. All right, so what about our faith? I want to read this, this section of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 11. And, uh, you know, I've been praying. I've been, I've been in some spiritual warfare and uh, battling some discouragement. And I walked in this morning. You know, the Lord and I talk as we're crossing the 430 bridge. And um, who's going to be here today? What kind of attitudes are going to walk in the room? Uh, who's going to believe that it's worth it to hear the living word of God. <coughs> Who's going to believe that? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah. Will my words fall on deaf ears? Who's going to bring an attitude so toxic? It's like, whoa, what's going on? Who's going to be oblivious to the work of the kingdom of God? So I was, I was, I was, I was stressed. And I walked in and uh, I, I rather got my gear and I thought, I'm going to go check the mail real quick. And and grabbed the mail, and there was an envelope from somebody from Santa Rosa, California. And I have no idea who that would be. And I opened it, and someone gave a gift to Christchurch, a financial gift. Okay. Now, Joni, here's what Joni probably doesn't know about me. God sends me little text messages, and it comes in the form of 316. John 316. <coughs> I, see, I normally see, see 316 every day. Janice, it's on a license plate. It's on the back of an 18-wheeler. It's somebody. I, I, see, I see 316 almost every single day, oftentimes multiple times a day, and it's God's little way of saying, hey, Chris, I got my eye on you. I, I know you think the weight of the world is on your little shoulders. Uh, I'm bigger than you, and I'm bigger than your burdens. I got this. Okay. And on the bottom of that check was John 316. The Lord knows. He knows. And uh, uh, I, I'm just grateful. So I wonder who has ears to hear? Who has a heart that's really set to please God? Now, here's what you and I already know. Can we talk about the elephant in the room? Many of you here are not ready to make the right decision under stress and stress. You're not ready. You have toyed with sin in your mind so much that if the opportunity presented itself, and it came down to nanoseconds, you'd make the wrong decision. You know what I'm talking about. You know. Attitudes. Toxic attitudes. Unbridled desires that you know are not fitting for the kingdom of God. And you don't know where the brake pedal is. You get a lot of gas pedal. And you're not ready to make the right decision when it all comes down to a split-second moment. And when the pressure's on. Now listen to this. Listen to the story about, uh, and ladies, by the way, this is heavily a, male, a male-centered list, uh, but I want you to know that, that, that this is every, applies just as much to you as it does to any of us. This is Hebrews eleven thirty-two. 32. Would you do something for your own sake? Would you clear your heart, clear your mind to get ready to receive the living, breathing word of God and begin to experience the life-giving power of his word. The author, the, the pastor, writes and says this, what more shall I say? As in, have I not said enough? What more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell you of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, 
Now, this is the power stuff that we love. (coughs) Wow, we love this next chunk. Verse 33. Who by faith conquered kingdoms. Joshua, look at the miracles here, Joshua. Performed acts of righteousness. Obtained promises. Shut the mouths of lions. Sounds like a Daniel story. Quenched the power of fire. Escaped the edge of the sword. From weaknesses were made strong. Became mighty in war. Put armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. And others were tortured. This is the not fun part. Others were tortured. Not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. What is that all about? Others experienced mockings and scourgings. Yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with a sword. And they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated. And check this out. Men and women of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. I want to pray. Abba, Father, your word is alive. It is like a sword. It is breathing and it breathes life into us. I pray that that no one here would have a heart that's hard so that the seed of your word can't penetrate it. No one here has a heart that's full of thorns and weeds so that the worries of this world and the burdens of this life and the desires of worldly living would choke out the truth. Pray that nobody's here whose heart is shallow. Where the seed, on the outside it looks like it's taking root, but there's not enough depth. Can't handle the pressure and the heat and the sun. God, I pray for all of us. But have a heart of good soil. Your word will take root and grow in us. And there'll be a bumper crop of just following you, please. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's talk about deception. Uh, There's lots of deceptions. There's deceptions about cops. There's a lot of deception. A lot of deception in politics. Uh, Do you notice how Elizabeth Warren is trying to say she's not a socialist? She gets that. You know, there's so much deception going on. And politicians jockeying for, for the minds of America. Lots of deception. Here are 10 deceptions. And, and by the way, uh, we've got to do a big shout out to Disney for this one. <laughs> you just, you know, we, we, somehow little girls believe that they're supposed to be princesses. And little girls believe that there's supposed to be some prince waiting for them. And when they get that magic kiss, they're sparklies. And then once the sparklies happen, it's great from here on out. It's wonderful. It's just this amazing thing. Thank you, Disney, for lying to us. Appreciate that. And boy, did we buy that one. Who are we kidding? Who are we kidding? By the way, these are my 10, and, and I, I bet if we get our heads together, we'd come up with 100. Um, what about this one? True love will make me happy. Now remember, there's enough... T- Here's the deal about deception. There's enough truth in it that for a minute you go like, yeah, what? That's how deception works. 
Because isn't true love wonderful? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's wonderful. It's amazing. I think many of you say you found true love. And yet you're not very happy. <laughs> Ow! Um, what about this one? Marriage will meet all my needs. Or <laughs> divorce will meet all my needs. Either way, it depends on which side of that you're on. You know? <laughs> like marriage is magic. And, uh, and if you just get married, then all your problems go away. And those of us who are married are going, mm mm. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. How about this one? My body is more important than my soul or my spirit. Anybody deceived by that one? Mm. How about this one? My virtual self is more important than, my, than, than real relationships. I would rather be online flipping through Facebook than having a meaningful conversation with, with a real person. Surely in a crowd of this size. If you're not busy, you're wasting time. Anybody deceived by that one? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't know how to rest. And if my wife were not so quiet, she'd say, Preacher, you need to deal with that one. I, man, I struggle with that one. I, I am deceived that busyness is productivity. And I miss the scripture that says, Rest. Rest. Be still and know that I am God. I struggle with that one. Uh, hurry up and do something. Um, I can have freedom without responsibility. Boy, that's deceptive. Boy, we are there. And there's enough chips on the shoulder that we really struggle with authority. Ooh. The idea that we have to submit to somebody? Mm -mm. Don't like that one. I want freedom. Without responsibility. That's, that's when freedom's really good. You get to do what you want and there's no responsibilities. Or how about this one? I can have character without morality. Isn't that powerful? In other words, you, you can throw your morals to the wind and yet feel really good about yourself. <laughs> I've got good character. I'm kind. I'm nice. As long as you're kind and nice about it, you can sin any way you want to. Just be nice. I can have character without morality. How about this one? Being emotionally right is more important than being factually correct. Boy, we are there. How about this one? Suffering is unfair and proves God is cruel or indifferent. A lot of deception in that one. Lots and lots and lots. I want, I want to focus particularly on, on split-second decisions like Brian talked about and how that changes lives for great evil or great good. And you know what's cool about Brian's decision? Is that kid, whoever he is, we don't know, I don't know anything about him. Guess what? He could be in church right now. He could be in church right now. Chris, he could be hearing the gospel. And he could give his heart to Jesus, be born again, and know eternity in heaven with Jesus. Because he's alive. Because he gets to see another day. Because there was a cop that had enough wherewithal. He'd already made his mind up. Brian already made the decision, do the right thing when it's time to do the right thing. Does this make sense? 
And because Brian kept his cool and Brian had Sabakum with him, Brian did the right thing. And that kid could be in church this morning, could be hearing the gospel, could give his heart to Jesus, and will meet Brian one day and say, hey, after we talk to chat with Paul, can, we, can I tell you a story? You don't remember me, do you? And, and this kid could say, you're the guy that allowed me to, to see life. That could happen. But you've got to settle some things up here before that happens. Check this out. Um, let's... Let's talk a little bit about pain and suffering. This is a story from the life of a guy named Gideon. And look what he says. He's talking to an angel. The angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Gideon, and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Can I, can I just, a quick comment, Nathan? He wasn't a valiant warrior. God is calling him what he's not. Does that sound like grace? To be called something you're not? Wow. Then Gideon said to, to this angel, Oh my Lord, if the Lord God is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of, the, of Midian. Isn't it interesting that people like Gideon and maybe like me and you, we think... Pretty abandoned. And what's going on in our lives is not fair. We work through this story. You read this. What more shall I say? Look at these guys. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel and the prophets. Let's walk, let's walk through some things about their lives. I want you to appreciate this. Gideon, in the great story of Gideon, they're going up against the Midianite army. Historians say it's up to 135,000. That is 450 to 1 odds. When God took Gideon and, and his 32,000 men and called it down to 300 men, and they, 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 they did a test, take your men to drink water. The ones who, who get in the water and put their face in it and drink like a dog versus the one that kept their heads up, Brian, heads up, heads on a swivel, right? And, and, and drank the water from their hand. In other words, they were alert, only 300 men scooped the water by the hand. The rest of the men got lazy, heads down, and drank like a dog. God says, I want those men. These are the guys that pay attention. And so with Gideon and his 300 men, they went up against 135,000 Midianites in the army, 450 to 1, and you know the rest of the story. And by the way, they didn't even use uh, their, their version of a Glock. They used clay pots and torches and... and Blue trumpets, you know, yeah. Sometimes we need signs from God to build our faith, don't we? By faith, we can trust God to fight for us, even when it's illogical. Gideon, what about this one here? Barak, 10,000 Israeli troops with no chariots against the army of Sisera with 900 iron chariots and an unknown number of troops. We have no idea what the odds are when Barak went against, uh, on Mount, at a battle on Mount Tabor, with 10,000 Israeli troops, you have no idea. We need the faith of a fearless woman to make a man out of us. Let me explain. Barak knew that, the, that Sisera and his armies were positioning themselves for war against Israel at this area, Mount Tabor. And at that point, Barak, who was the commander-in-chief, has got to defend Israel. It is war, okay? And guess what Barak said? I'm not going to war 
unless the prophet Deborah goes with me. That's weird. Israeli men saying they can't go to war unless a woman goes with them? Deborah is a phenomenal woman of faith. She goes, and Barak all of a sudden finds his yoga pants, or he gets some faith on him, and he goes into battle, and then even makes a key strategic decision in the battle, and they end up defeating Sisera. Sisera, by the way, is worn out. He's exhausted from running, being pursued by the Israelis. He stumbles up on a tent. There's a woman standing at the tent door, and he says, please help me. And she says, I'll hide you. Come in. They dig a hole in the ground. He lays down in the hole. She covers him with a rug. Her name is Jael. He's so thirsty. He's so exhausted. He says, please give me something to drink. She gives him some milk from a jug. He goes, he goes, he lays back down. He passes out with exhaustion. And this woman of faith takes a mallet and a tent peg and pins him to the ground through his skull, through the temple. Sometimes a good woman, a woman of faith, can help a man find faith. By the way, ladies, it's true for you too. Sometimes a godly man of faith can bring out some faith in you. Pay attention to your brothers and your sisters. And then you've got this dude with the long hair, Samson, in his fight against the Philistine men, a thousand to one odds, and he defeats them with the jawbone of a donkey. We need to let God fight through us with the resources laying at our feet and not pout and fight and complain about stuff we don't have. There could be a jawbone right there. Pick it up. Use it. Look at this guy. Look at this number four. Jephthah, a dishonored man with low self-esteem. Anybody here have low self-esteem? Don't answer. We knew his dad. His dad is, is, is Gilead. His mom was a prostitute. Gilead made a mistake. Got a girl pregnant. His name is Jephthah. And because he's born uh, out of wedlock and because... His mother was a prostitute. He's dishonored. He has low self-esteem. He's a man of shame. Israel is being punished and brutally treated by the Ammonites for 18 years. <clears throat> Something stirs his heart and he decides to get in on the fight. And he said, I'll be your, I'll be your chief. I'll go against the Ammonites. In fact, Jephthah had, by the way, people with low self-esteem, you ready for this? People with low self-esteem oftentimes say very radical things. People with a damaged self-concept oftentimes say very radical things. Like I'm the ugliest person in the world. Oh, really? <laughs> There's not somebody a little uglier than you, maybe? <laughs> You're laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about. They make these radical, polarizing statements. He does too. This guy with low self-esteem, a bad reputation, damaged honor, says, um, okay, God, it's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for the fight. I need you to be with me, God. I tell you what, I make a promise. 
When we, if you let us win, when I come back home, the first thing that walks out my door I'm going to offer to you is a sacrifice. Remember the story? His daughter walks out. And it's known as Jephthah's foolish vow. People with a damaged sense of self say radical and foolish things. But, why, but he's listed in this hall of fame, this, this, these great people of faith. You know why? Because he didn't stay at home pouting because he, was, because he wasn't this honored Israeli male like all the other guys. He didn't stay at home, complain, bemoan his station, or be critical of what others have. And he's considered a man of faith. What about this one? David. God saw in David what his father and brothers refused to see. When Samuel came to anoint a king, the Jesse presented all of his sons except David. And when Samuel pressed him, please, is there another one? At that point, they finally admit that there's some punk kid that's, that's kind of watching the, uh, watching the sheep. Rebecca, can you adjust the thermostat, please? That's, uh, that's, that's keeping the sheep. When, when David comes up on the battle right prior to, to the, his fight with Goliath, his brother says, I know you, your insolent, wicked heart. And yet in the chapter right before that, it says God sees, not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Our family may be the biggest problem we have. David had a father with a lousy attitude and a brother that... that was cruel, God is bigger than our family. Faith lets you see things through the eyes of God. Some of you are in bondage to the, the opinions of people. You're in bondage to how people look at you, and you do not have enough faith to see yourself through the eyes of God. God saw in David what his father refused to see, what his brothers refused to see. Samuel, a little boy who learned to say to God, speak, for your servant is listening. Boy, when we have faith, we can say, Lord, here I am. Hey, speak. I'm listening. How's that for a quiet time? Think that'd be a good one? Be really cool. That's a quiet time. Lord, here I am. Your servants, your servants listening. And then the prophets. You know, the interesting thing about the prophets is these are the people who were the truth tellers that suffered the most. They're the guys and, and the girls. They're the women, Deborah was a prophetess, that were treated brutally. Christ esteemed his life. It's more important to please God than people, even if it means suffering. Look at this. These, these miracles, these people. There's a, there's a time when God performs miracles. And there's a time when God allows suffering. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with a sword, ill-treated. By the way, historically, a lot of these things certainly happened in the Old Testament. But Chris, they're happening to these Christians in Rome right then and there. Nero, Domitian, Caligula, brutal emperors that persecuted Christians. <clears throat> Why does God allow suffering? For a Christian, and only for the Christian, it's a way for us to have fellowship with Jesus. You know about this, Joshua, don't you? In Nigeria, you know about this. Why does God allow suffering? 
because it is one of the only means for a Christian to understand friendship with Jesus Christ. You are the gifted body of Christ. You know, if you've been walking in the flesh this week, it's probably best that you not talk. But if you've been walking in the spirit this week, please don't withhold wisdom. Don't withhold encouragement. Speak as though the very voice of God is being articulated through you. Well, I, I, you answer it. <laughs> Your sister just asked a question. What does faith look like in a community? In other words, she can't have faith for another person. So what, what about faith and in community influence in faith? How does it happen? Yes, sir. Faith in community looks a lot like this. Thank you. You're right. It's people, right? Influencing people. Why did Barak depend on a woman? Shouldn't he have gone to his men's community group and the ones that he's been hanging out with and drinking coffee with and, hey, guys, I need some encouragement. Need a pat on the back here. No, he went to Deborah because God raised up Deborah for a strategic moment to give courage to a guy named Barak. Someone else's faith can be very convicting. Did you hear that? Someone else's faith can be very convicting. It's like the bumper sticker, happy people are irritating. <laughs> also, when you're, when you're in the midst of suffering, it's, it can be really hard to see outside of just the immediate, whether it's physical, emotional, whatever's going on. So... Uh, Uh, if, if you can when you're interacting when you're praying or just supporting that person, you can get past the cliches of God has a plan and all that it doesn't really ever help or do anything you may see something in that see something real see something tangible that that person misses you may be able to see God working off for encouragement through your lens of faith that you know, may not connect in that moment, but you've we've seen that with Allison and my mom. My mom has offered Allison encouragement that and pointed out some things that a few days later came around and, and really helped Allison in her struggle and suffering to see God working through some of these specific ways that um, she wasn't going to see on her own. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, uh, that faith is not not necessarily you're not having faith for them, but you're you're clearing out the fog a little bit so they can get a clearer picture of what might be going on or what might <coughs> not a guarantee, but you can offer some clarity that 
necessarily see when you're just in the midst of mm. That's good, Daniel. That's good. Someone else, why does this matter? How would we then live if we understood why these people are listed as examples of faith? Lee? I'd say uh, the answer to the question is tell somebody. Talk about it. I'm struggling with this, and, and, and then, especially if you're married, because if you're married and you're struggling with your faith, he or she knows. They know. So express it, because then, then you have somebody with you to help you to uh, help you clear your vision. Because I think what Satan wants us to do is say, "You shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't be struggling." You've been a Christian 25 years. You're, struggling, you're still struggling with this? Yeah. You're just a nerd. Yeah, just lies. Yeah. Steal, kill, and destroy. Lee, yes, Lee, uh, when, when lions hunt, who are they looking for? Stragglers. The, the ones who isolate. Kind of, can we kind of go live for a minute with some encouragement? Uh, <clears throat> me, you, some of us, if we catch a few red lights, it's a bad day. Okay. <clears throat> can you imagine what Brian goes through just on a, on a normal shift? By the way, he's a field training officer. So when he has a rookie with him, he is in some of the worst situations that that ship presents because those rookies have got to learn through suffering. You know, they got, they got to do the real thing. So, Brian, I don't know that you feel unappreciated as a cop. I'm going to ballpark and say probably, and I'm going to say probably a lot of the time, all right? So, let's go live just for a second. What's one thing we could say to Brian Pope as a Christian cop who gets in situations where life is is literally on the line. What could you say to him to encourage his faith right now? Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for protecting us. What else? Thanks for listening to the Holy Spirit. Thanks for oh, wow. In the nanosecond. In the, yes, yes. What else would you say to Brian Pope? According to Romans 13, you're a God's servant. Yeah, Romans 13, he doesn't carry the sword for nothing. Yes, very good. Yes, 
Absolutely. Someone else, what could you say to Brian, knowing what he's got to face when he, when he rolls up at his job on Monday? Thank you, Randy. Boy, there's talking about spiritual warfare. Wow. Yeah. Someone else, what would you say, Brian? When they blow us over, be nice about it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't cough an attitude. <laughs> Thank you for being honest. <laughs> Michelle, behold the body of Christ. There we go. And sometimes it can be a simple word of appreciation. Sometimes it can be uh, that prophetic word. Uh, you know, the famous line from Luke Skywalker, I got a bad feeling about this. You know, sometimes you get something in your gut and you got to talk about it, but you've got to talk about it. Okay. All right. These, these people, are they, are they like morally stellar people? Are they like no stains on the resume people, Edie? Not at all. Flawed men, flawed women. Okay, so. <clears throat> Final question, and, and we, we're running late, but, you know, hey, we lost an hour. <laughs> What's up with the time change? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get another hour. Oh, my goodness. Okay, turn on your bottles. Um, what would be different about your life if you made your mind up right now to obey God without question? I mean, when the pressure's on. What would your life be like at this very moment if you made your mind up, I'm going to do the right thing in the eyes of God without question, and it's going to be like a reflex, instant obedience. I'm not going to rationalize. I'm not going to come up with excuses. I'm not going to start pointing fingers. You know, the whole Romans 2 thing. You know, the thing that, the other, that you're blaming other people for doing is the very thing you're doing yourself. We're not going to go there. It's you and God face to face, and you're going to make up, make a decision in your mind. I will obey God right here, right now, and do it gladly. What could be? different about your life. No more excuses, no more putting it off. Now, when you have Holy Spirit inside of you, you have, you, you have access to power, you have access to encouragement and resources that you would not otherwise. John chapter 4 makes it very clear when Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well that if you drink from the water that I offer you, a wellspring of life comes out of you. Okay. Michelle, we need Holy Spirit. <laughs> Listen to this. Jesus said to Nicodemus who came and asked the question about what does it mean to, to be with God. Jesus saw right through it and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John 3.16 the verse of my life for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life 
For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Paul writes in Romans 10 that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. The first and ultimate decision that we have to make by the prompting of the Holy Spirit is that we would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and that we would be born again. We'd experience the new birth. It's a prayer something like this. It's saying, it's saying Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sins, the things that have broken my relationship with you. Please forgive me of those things. I accept you into my heart. I, it's a mystery I'm asking you to step out of heaven and step inside of me. And with all your heart, you say, here I am, Lord. And you're born again. It's a gift. It's a mystery. If you have never experienced that, I'm going to be right back there. Come talk to me, please. I want you to know the new birth. I don't want anybody leaving here not knowing what it means to be born again. These are flawed people. But when we have faith like a child, when we simply learn to obey, even when our emotions are screaming to do otherwise, we have made up our minds, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to follow God. Amazing, life-changing things happen. Let me pray. Abba, Father, there are so many of us that have been toying with faith and, and caught up with the deceptions of this world. That because they're really not that happy, it must be your fault. And it's hard to put faith in you when, when you're the guy that's failing us. God, that's just a lie from Satan. And we rebuke those lies with the truth of the Lord Jesus. Abba, Father, would you please stir hearts that each person here would realize they've got to make that life-changing decision that they will obey you and have faith in that instant and not put it off and not blame somebody else and not try to test the faith of other people but to simply have faith on their own. Abba, Father, please, give us a glimpse that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And without faith, it's impossible to please you. And if we're going to come to you and worship you, we've got to believe that you do exist and that you reward those who seek you. Have mercy on us, O oh God, according to your steadfast love. In Jesus' name, amen.